welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. The title that I've given to my message, It's Not Fair. I'm sure that we've all had moments and I'm sure that uh, we can identify with uh, that young man in that picture there. Because I think that probably for most of us, there have been times in our life where we could have, you know, we, if not out loud, at least our internal monologue says, it's not fair. And, and the reality is life isn't always fair, is it? The problem with that is I'm a person who likes things to be fair. I want to be rewarded when I've worked hard for something. I want to be appreciated when I've done something kind or something generous as rare as that may be. Um, <laughs> but it's like, you know, when, when you kind of, you, you do something for somebody and they just don't seem to even notice, and you think, oh, that's, that's not fair. Or when someone, you know, gets something that you don't and we have this world that encourages us constantly to be comparing ourselves to other people and we look at someone who's got, you know, all the things that we wish we had or, you know, whatever else the, the case might be, whether it's, you know, material things or relationships or you know, uh, the, the home that we want or the car that we want or, you know, the whatever, um, the friends that we want and we go, what have, what have they got? Why do they get that stuff and, and I don't, God? Come on, it's, it's not fair. Our society is all about what's fair today, isn't it? We have, particularly here in Australia, we have, you know, a fair go for everybody is sort of one of the the government mottos at, at different times, but we want fair wages. We want we want wages to be fair for for men and women. That gets talked about a lot. We want uh, fair treatment for everybody, regardless of their their race or their beliefs or you know all that kind of stuff. And we know that doesn't always happen, but you know we we're continuously being told we need to work towards a society that's fair for everybody, aren't we? We, want, we, we expect there to be fair opportunities. We get a little bit ticked off when we go for a job and then we find out that we didn't get it because the, the boss wanted to give it to his nephew, you know, or, or something like that. We think, well, that's not very fair, is it? <laughs> we want fair umpiring in our sports. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We don't like it when the umpires seem to be, you know, biased towards the other team and, you know... Um, uh, and that kind of stuff. We don't like it when things seem unfair. There's just something that feels wrong about the whole thing. We don't like it when um, other people get a free ride. You know, we have we hear people all the time talking about you know dull bludgers and people who sit around getting money for taking drugs and you know and they don't want to work and all that kind of stuff. And, and and there's something in us that says there's something that is unfair about that. I've got a little uh, image here, this is probably more for the young people but it's good that our young people are in today but this is uh, things that taught me that life isn't fair and it's pretty small writing there but the green is parents, the blue is school, the orange is sports, the red Mario Kart. <laughs> if you've ever played Mario Kart young people, that blue shell when you're about to cross the finish line, that is so not fair. <laughs> We like it when the rules are consistent, don't we? Well, most of the time. (laughs) 
Most of the time we like it when the rules are consistent and applied equally. Sometimes we don't mind when it sort of benefits us or works in our favour and we kind of will let that one slide, that's okay because there was probably a time when I got ripped off and so this is just a catching up for that one that I really deserved way back then so you know it's, it all works out in the wash, that's kind of, we justify things like that sometimes don't we when it works in our favour. But I was, I was reminded during the week of a, of a story that Jesus told. And when I think about this whole idea of a fair and unfair, I'm reminded of a story that Jesus told that if I'm being really honest, in some ways it kind of rubs me the wrong way. It rubs my, it rubs my fairness bone the wrong way, if you like. It's like a, it, that kind of thing. Um, before we get to that story, we're going to read that story in just a minute. Before we get to that, I want to just kind of give you the context and what's happening in this passage, the passage we're going to read is from Matthew chapter 20, uh, if you want to open your Bibles. But just before that, Jesus is with his disciples and at the end of Matthew 19, we read the story about Jesus encountering the rich young man or the rich young ruler, sometimes Bibles say. And this is a story about this, this fairly well-to-do, influential uh, kind of young man who comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know, you need to obey the commandments. And this young man says, oh, I've done all that. You know, all the Ten Commandments, you know, don't murder, don't commit adultery, all that kind of stuff. Yep, all good, we're sweet. And Jesus says, okay, if you want to be perfect, then go sell everything you've got, give away all your money to the poor and then come and follow me. And of course, we know, if you've read the story before, you know that this young man goes away sad because that was, that was just one step too far for him. That was just asking too much. Um, and so then we have this, this little moment where the disciples then are, are kind of thinking, they're, they're listening to this exchange and then Peter gets all excited and pipes up and says, hey Jesus, we did that. We left everything that we had and we came and followed you. So like, what, what does that mean for us? What, what are, what, what's our reward for, for doing that? And, uh, and Jesus talks about, with them, he, says, he gives them this, this picture, he says, you know, you're going to be uh, reigning in heaven with me and there's going to be 12 thrones for you 12 disciples and you're going to rule over the other tribes and he says, everyone that's, that's left stuff, given up family relationships or, or wealth or money or home or any of that kind of stuff will be rewarded a hundred times over what you've given up. Now, and then we come to this story. And he says, uh, for the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner. Okay, so you got, got that encounter, there's a rich young ruler, giving up stuff, all that kind of stuff in, in our minds, all right? So then we come to this story and Jesus tells this story. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and he saw some people standing around and he asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the, with the last workers first. 
When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed that they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner, Hey, it's not fair! (laughs) Those people only worked one hour and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, Friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others. So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. Now, when I've read that, I've read that story quite a number of times, and and many times when I read that story, there's something in me that, like those workers who are hired at the beginning of the day, says, that doesn't seem very fair. It doesn't, does it? Like, you work 12 hours... Uh, and you get paid the same as some guy who comes along right at the end and works one hour. I think we would be having some sort of uh, conversation with the boss and saying, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm faithful and I'm loyal and I've worked for you this, this amount of time and you know, I think I deserve more than that guy. And, and it's almost like sometime, sometimes when I read this, I almost kind of get that sense that Jesus is saying, It doesn't matter what you do for God, everyone's going to get the same in the end. When we get to heaven, everyone's going to be treated the same. It kind of almost sounds a little bit like that, doesn't it? But, and and this is partly why I read that, or, or kind of put us in that context of where we were before, at the end of Matthew 19, because Jesus has just finished telling the disciples that there's a a special throne for them where they're going to rule and, you know, and uh, everything that people have sacrificed or given up is going to be paid back over a hundredfold. So, so it's almost like there's this temptation to feel like Jesus is saying everyone's going to get the same in the end, but then it contradicts. That, That interpretation, I suppose, contradicts what Jesus has just said to his disciples. So, so what is he really talking about and, and why does he tell this story? Before I get into that um, too much, I, I want to just remind you of another story that I'm sure that you're all familiar with and that's the story of the recklessly extravagant son, the wasteful son. Do you remember the story of the, the wasteful, recklessly extravagant spending son? Sometimes we call that the prodigal son. Prodigal is just a word that means someone who's wasteful with money, just spends money like they've got it coming out of their ears and it's never going to run out. That was kind of what the the young man in the story did, didn't it? And and we have this story about this son who goes off and blows all his money and then, you know, in the end he kind of comes back and uh, and there's this moment of repentance and acknowledging that, that what he did was um, uh, w- was wrong and comes back to the, well, s- almost, sort of, <laughs> in a way. Um, but the father receives him back, you know, and, and loves him and, and gives him this, this grace that this son doesn't deserve. Um, and when I read that story, I, I guess I don't relate personally too much to the younger son because I was never the kind of 
kid that kind of went off and went away from church or turned my back on my family um, very much or uh, didn't, didn't go out getting drunk at the pub on the weekend or um, never smoked or drank or, um, you know, all those kinds of things, never got arrested, uh, <laughs> never even got a speeding ticket. <laughs> I, I was kind of the, the good kid who went to church, was part of youth group, led youth group, you know, kind of did outwardly at least the right kind of stuff. But there's another brother in the story, isn't there? There's the older brother who comes to the father and essentially, what are his words? It's not fair. Why are you tucking a party for this brat who went off and blew all your money and yet you don't throw me parties when I'm here slaving away and working and doing the right thing and you know, being honouring and, and all that kind of stuff. And he comes and he says, it's not fair. I'm tempted to kind of want to look at all those things that I've done for God. I want to look at those things and go, you know, I've given up this and I've given up that and I could have had this and I could have had that and, you know, and all those kind of things and say, hey God, it's not fair. You know, if I've given up so much for you, where's... You know, how come I don't have this or how come I don't have that or all those sorts of things. But then God reminds me about what my heart was like. And He reminds me that even though that my heart was full of sin, that I was prideful, selfish, lazy, materialistic, there were things that God asked me to do that I didn't do. I didn't always honour my parents the way that I should. I didn't always share my faith with people around me. And often the things that I did were done not out of love for people or even love for God, but out of a sense of duty or wanting to do the right thing or be seen to be doing the right thing. And I'm reminded that it isn't fair, but that's a good thing. Because when God reminds me about what my heart was like, then I realise what it was that I really deserved. And how good it is that I don't get what I actually really deserved. <laughs> Grace isn't fair. This is, this is God's grace. God's grace is this idea that even though we haven't worked uh, or earned any of what He gives us, that He gives it to us because of His, His undeserved favour. It's God who looks at us with favour when we didn't deserve it, when we had done nothing to earn it. We couldn't earn the favour of God, nothing that we did or could enough to earn God's favour. But grace isn't fair. Grace is God's choice to love us and to bless us when we don't deserve it. God has this incredible tendency to want to forgive people even though they've done the most terrible things just because they repent. Just ask Jonah. Do you remember Jonah? With the whole 
great fish and God called him to go to Nineveh, which was this terribly wicked city. They were doing all kinds of vile and evil stuff. And God says, Jonah, I want you to be my prophet and I want you to go and declare judgment and punishment upon this city because, they are, because of their wickedness. And we know the story, Jonah runs away and God has a way of getting him to go back and do what he wants, you know, um, rather drastic if you ask me. It, it seems a bit kind of a drastic way to get Jonah's attention really, doesn't it? Is that just me? Maybe that's just me. Okay. Um, but, but Jonah gets upset. Jonah goes and preaches to this city and they all repent. And they all, they, they, they go into mourning and they, they put on rags and they put ashes on their head, which was a symbol of repentance and, uh, and mourning. And they changed their ways and they cried out to God for mercy and God relented and showed them mercy. And how does Jonah respond? Does he say, wow, that's fantastic, all these people that have come back to God, this is fantastic, because I went and shared, I should have done that in the first place, God, I was, I was wrong, you were right, and you know, what a, what a great result. No, not so much, does he? <laughs> Fourth chapter of Jonah, in the first few verses, it says, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry, so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say, Jonah says, this is Jonah talking to God, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God. How dare he be merciful and compassionate? I mean, honestly, really. But here's the thing, Jonah knows and everybody knows they did not deserve mercy or compassion, did they? They did not deserve God's forgiveness they had earned every punishment that they had coming Jonah says I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God you're slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love this sounds like a praise song doesn't it it's like he's just you know but it's it's, this is this this is how Jonah's like railing against God you are compassionate and mercy and I knew that you're slow to anger and you know it's, it's one of the weirdest passages in the Bible, I think, <laughs> yet so relatable at the same time. Uh, he says, you're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. What's he concerned about? Rather be dead if what I said, this is a prophet, remember? His reputation is speaking for God that, you know, he says, if what I did doesn't, come hap- doesn't happen, well, what I said would happen, what I predicted as this mighty prophet of God and I've come and I've said this is going to happen and now if you don't do it, what's going to happen? Who gets affected by that? His, his pride, his reputation, he's like, my reputation's on the line here, God. I came out and I spoke, you know, and I said, this is what's going to happen and I said, woe and doom and, you know, to all of you and, and now it's not going to come true. He says, this is my reputation. His, his eyes are not on all of the amazing things that are happening in these people's lives and how they're turning to God is he's just he's fixated on himself and his own image and his own pride I think pride is one of the the biggest things that gets in the way of grace both receiving it and showing it I think 
Grace isn't fair, but I'm glad. Grace means that we don't get what we deserve. Grace means that God relents and God forgives and God shows favour. Does grace then mean that it makes no difference how we live our lives? Of course not. And Paul addresses this in Romans chapter 6 and he says, should, you know, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more kindness and forgiveness? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? And we talked before about the story of the, the workers in the vineyard. It's like Jesus is talking about those who, who come to God early and spend their whole lives in service to God versus those who come you know, halfway through or even right at the end of their life. We all receive eternal life if we come to Jesus, don't we? Now, I believe that there are rewards for faithfulness and for the things that we've done and how we've used the gifts and the talents that God has given us. And, and the Bible talks about how when we face judgment, we'll be called to account for what we did with what He gave us. What He did with the calling, you know, when, how, whether we were obedient or not to the things that God called us to do. I also believe that there's, there's blessings now when we're obedient to God. Not just when we get to heaven, but I believe that God, there are, there are blessings now. It may not be always the things that we would like. It may not be always the kinds of blessings or blessings in the areas of our life that we might be looking for or hoping for or desiring, but God blesses us in the ways that He knows is best for us. Just as in the story of the prodigal son, both of those sons are welcomed into the house of the father. But you remember that part at the end of the story when the, the older son is, is complaining and about how unfair things are and the, and the father takes him aside and, and he talks about the, the inheritance that he still has waiting for him as a son. That there's a the reward for, for that faithfulness for him and I think that, that that's true but our salvation is entirely the work of God our salvation is undeserved our salvation we, we can work every day doing things that we think are, are you know for God but if uh, ultimately we can never do enough to earn what God gives freely doesn't matter whether we join at the beginning or the end, there is a sense in which uh, it's unfair. <laughs> but grace isn't fair. Often it's, it's a struggle for some of us who feel... And, and Jesus encountered this with the Pharisees too. And there, there were a number of times when Jesus encountered those who felt entitled and who felt like they had earned God's favour. And many of the times this was the Pharisees, wasn't it? And Jesus would talk to the Pharisees and they were guys who, they were almost militant in the way that they devoted themselves to God. Well, when I say devoted themselves to God, uh, some, for some it was a, 
a devotion to God. Some of it was just a devotion to doing the things that looked like they were the things of God, wasn't it? But their heart wasn't necessarily right with God. But often it's those who feel entitled, it's the, the older brothers, it's the faithful servants who struggle with this whole concept of grace because it's not fair. Because we feel like, what's the point of me busting my gut and working so hard? And, you know, because we've, we've, we fix our eyes on the wrong things. We fix our eyes in the wrong places and we, we compare and we look at what we don't have instead of what we do have and, and all those kinds of things. And we go, well, you know, it just isn't fair. Jesus tells this story, and, and there are so many stories uh, through the New Testament, uh, through the Gospels particularly, where Jesus, you know, as he uses parables to kind of talk about stuff, and then he's talking about this whole idea of, of grace and the kingdom and, uh, and the, the inherent unfairness, but in a way that actually is skewed to benefit us, if that makes sense. In Luke chapter 7, 41 to 43, it says, two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he cancelled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus says. There's a, another example where, you know, both of them were in a position where they couldn't pay it back, weren't they? Both of them were in a position where they, they owed money that they couldn't pay back. And both of them were in a position where their debts were cancelled. But I wonder, I know that this is a parable and Jesus is just kind of telling a story to illustrate a point, but I think part of what it illustrates for me or, or you know, when I put myself into that story, if you like, and I feel like, if I was the, the one who'd been forgiven, I mean, remember that a denarii is a, a day's wage. So when we say 500 denarii, we're talking about a year and a half's wages. Right? So it's not a, not a small amount as compared to 50, what's 50? Seven weeks, a bit less than a couple of months' wages. All right? So it, it's quite a, quite a significant difference here and, a, and not an insignificant amount of money that we're talking about. But I put myself in that position and I go, um, you know, if, if I was the one who only owed 50 and I was forgiven, I'd be grateful unless I heard about the guy who'd been forgiven 500. <laughs> and then they go, oh, hang on a minute, you gave him 500 and you only gave me 50, can I get my other 450 please? <laughs> And sometimes it's, it's a little bit like that, isn't it? It's like, well, you know, I, I wasn't really too bad. I only owed a little bit of money, you know. So, uh, And sometimes we fail to comprehend the significance of God's grace towards ourselves. Sometimes we forget that even though it was only, you know, even though we, we weren't really that bad, we never killed anybody, never committed adultery or, you know, whatever, I don't know. You, we justify things, don't we? We say, we, and we, we, we tell ourselves things that make us feel like we're basically a good person on the inside. And we forget that no matter how good we tell ourselves we were, we still didn't measure up. We still feel short. 
we deserved was to be left out of the kingdom and not invited into it. We still had a debt that we were unable to pay. Jesus tells another story in Matthew 18 about a man who was forgiven a huge sum of money. We talk about 500 denarii, I think it was somewhere in the vicinity of 10,000 or 100,000 or something like that, factors above, you know, you've got to wonder how he gets into that kind of predicament, you know, gambling addict or, you know, making huge investments on the stock market and lost it all, I don't know, the first century Jewish stock market probably wasn't really a thing, but uh, <laughs> he, he owed the, 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 this, this guy a massive amount of money, had absolutely no hope of ever even coming close paying it back and the king you know he's king's going to throw him in dungeon in the dungeon and let him rot away there and he begs for mercy and and the king relents and shows him mercy and wipes off this massive debt just says oh i'll i'll be generous and be uh kingly and and forgive your debt and uh and the man's really grateful or so it seems until he goes out finds a guy who owes him 20 bucks and wants to throw him in jail till he can pay back his money. Sometimes I think uh, it seems like such an unlikely story, doesn't it? It seems like the kind of thing that, you know, it's one of those stories that Jesus tells that you go, oh, I'd never be like that. <laughs> I, I would I would not react that way. The way that man did that just, you know, he must be a terrible person. <laughs> but the reality is that sometimes we we belittle or we take for granted what God has done for us. And we play down how much our debt really was. And it's almost like there's something in the back of our mind that wants to tell us that, you know, we probably could have almost made it you know, even without God's help, we probably could have almost been good enough. But I think if we are, when we are really honest with ourselves and we acknowledge how much we've been forgiven, we have to allow that to penetrate our heart. We have to allow that to actually shape the person that we become. To acknowledge that we haven't to pay it forward. What we've been given, what we've been granted or what we've been forgiven. We have that opportunity to, to then act in, you know, as a representative of Christ. Jesus told unforgiving servant or this unforgiving debtor to, to illustrate this point. And it's almost like it's deliberately exaggerated and it's deliberately out there and over the top. Because he wants to make this point that we need to be people who forgive others. We've experienced the grace of God to such a degree and yet we have the tendency to hold others to ransom over all kinds of things, don't we? Big or small. Things that maybe seemed significant at the time but maybe not such a big deal if we look at it with a cooler head sometimes pride 
gets in the way. Where are you at today? Here's the, here's the two questions that I want to ask you today. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you about your heart? Number one is this. Maybe, uh, are you in a position this morning where you are struggling to receive God's grace? Are you in a position where when you think about God loving you, you feel like, why would He want to do that? And you struggle to, you just can't understand why God would want to do anything good for you. You can't understand why God would want to bless you because you are very aware of how much you don't deserve it. And if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you that God wants to speak to you today and He wants to tell you that He loves you like His own, His own child. He formed you. He knows everything about you. The Bible tells us that nothing happens to you without Him knowing. That you are valuable to Him, that you are precious to Him. He knows every cell of your body and every thought that passes through your mind. His thoughts about you are as many as grains of sand on the beach, if you could count them. <laughs> and if you have received or if you choose to receive His free gift of forgiveness in Jesus and make Him King in your life, then you are His child. You've been washed clean. You've been restored and given a place of honour in His family. You've been given an inheritance. He delights in you, not because you earned it, but just because He chose. He chose to show grace. He chose to show favour because He loves you. If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to talk to God, to receive His love and to receive His grace. Maybe this morning... That's not so much the issue for you, but maybe this morning you're someone who's, who's wrestling with living that out and showing grace to others. It's one of those things, isn't it, that's easy to say, sometimes not so easy to do. I'm sure that there are many of you here who've been wounded, who've been hurt, prayed, who've been cheated. And if we were talking about things from a human perspective, you would be completely justified in not showing grace to those people, in refusing to forgive some of those people who've done horrible things and are completely unrepentant. You may be justified in withholding grace because they don't deserve it. And you're right, they probably don't. It's very easy, isn't it, to say, oh, God wants us to forgive people when it's somebody else's pain. But the challenge is there just the same. Jesus challenges us to forgive 
Jesus challenges us to extend grace to those who don't deserve it because he did. And he says, follow me. He says, if you want to be my son, if you want to be my daughter, then act like I act. Forgive those who don't deserve forgiving. Jesus, who hung on the cross because of our sins, take the punishment for our mistakes. And he forgave those who treated him so brutally. He said, love your enemies. He said, do good to people who don't deserve it and will never repay you. He said, refuse to turn your back on those who betray you. They don't deserve it. But that's kind of the point, because if they deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. Living in grace is how we see God's kingdom established here on earth. We flip the script, we change up the eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth rhetoric and we exchange it for kingdom principles that says love those who curse you and and bless those who persecute you. But when we allow grace to penetrate our hearts so much that it it kind of becomes a part of our life and spills over into those around us. Do you know, we actually are blessed in that also. There's a, there's, there's a blessing for us in what God does in us and in our hearts and in our lives. And we find that as we show grace to others, as we are willing to overlook the faults of others, as we are willing to forgive, as we're willing to... To, to pray for people, to give people a second chance or to, to be generous with our words in situations when others are not so much, then we get free. There's freedom that comes when we choose to live with grace. There's intimacy with God that comes when we allow Him to be the judge. There's intimacy with Christ that comes as we don't let any of that stuff come into our life that gets between us and Him. Unforgiveness is one of those things. Resentment, bitterness, that whole, you know, kind of complaining, it's not fair kind of attitude that sometimes we can slip into with God are things that actually come between us and Him get in the way of that intimacy that we can have with him let's pray father we thank you for the grace that has been shown to us lord if we are honest with ourselves each and every one of us can point to a whole host of areas in our lives where we have fallen short we know that your word says that everybody falls short Nobody measures up. But Lord, we thank you that you chose to be a God of, of grace, that you chose to be a God of love. <laughs> you, you are a God of love. We thank you that you, you called us and you chose us to be yours. Lord, we didn't deserve it. Lord, and we know it. Lord, for those of us who are 
struggling this morning to receive your grace. Lord, I pray that you would give each and every one of us a new revelation, a new understanding of how much you love us. Lord, that we would put aside the the, the reasons and, and the justifications and the excuses for, for, for why you wouldn't want to and we would just accept that it's because you said. Because you said it. Because you chose with no other reason that we would receive it, that it would transform our hearts. Lord, for those of us who are struggling to show grace to others, those of us who are trying to live that out each day, but God, that's, that's not always an easy thing. I pray that you would help us in that, that you would be uh, the, the prompt, the reminder in all kinds of different situations that there would, we would hear that voice of your Spirit encouraging us and challenging us to show grace to people when they are full of ungrace to show grace towards people who don't deserve it, who are unkind. Father, help us to be people who reflect your goodness and your grace into the world around us. Lord, set us free from the the, the chains of, of unforgiveness, of bitterness, of resentment. Set us free to walk with you. In intimacy with you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.